Welcome to We Could All Use Some Therapy, the podcast hosted by two friends who also happen to be therapists. With over 30 years of combined experience, we'll discuss why people go to therapy, why they don't, and the systems they navigate. While our podcast is about therapy, it is in fact not your therapy. No information in this podcast should be considered a substitute for treatment. Please seek out a professional mental health provider for your own support. Hello, Isabel. How are you? Hi, Jill. I'm good. How are you doing? I am ready to review this docu documentary. I was going to say docu series. It's not a docu series. It's not a docu series at all. It's not a docu series. Um, uh, do you want to introduce uh, yourself first? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, okay. I'm Jill. I'm a therapist in California. I'm Isabel. I'm a uh, social worker therapist in New York City. And Isabel um, had the idea for us to chat about a Netflix documentary. He refers to it as a movie a lot in the show, which I thought was weird, but wants to talk about uh, the documentary Stuts and recommended we talk about it. And um, yeah, you want to give a little summary on what was interesting about it for you, Isabel? Yeah, well, I think just to start with a summary of what it is for anyone who hasn't seen it. So I think we said that this season we wanted to do more current stuff, like respond mm-hmm. to what's currently happening. And this is now probably about a year ago. So it's not super current, but cut us some slack. So Stutz is a documentary created by Jonah Hill, uh, the actor, and from Superbad and uh, <laughs> a bunch of other stuff since then. And uh, it seems to me that he wanted to share what he's learned in therapy, share what he's learned from his therapist uh, with other people. He's found it immensely helpful and wanted to um, wanted to spread that to the viewers. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes in and out between interviewing. Um, they kind of go back and forth between therapizing each other it's like a family session thrown in there mm-hmm. uh but yeah it's about an hour and a half of of jonah hill interviewing his therapist who is a psychiatrist uh phil stutz philip stutz um who is well known and uh mm-hmm. has written books and has done a lot of work on uh, trauma and specifically seems to have this kind of like toolkit i can see why he's successful and why uh jonah hill has done well with him. Uh, I think there are a few things separate from, is this a great idea to do? Um, And I'm curious about the outcome. Like I'm curious, I I guess a couple of things I was curious about are, um, did people watch this take enough away from it that it was helpful to them? Or did it people take away enough from this that they set out therapy? And I'm also very curious about his other clients and how they perceived it because there seems to be what seems to me like a very special relationship between the two of them that again kind of like goes back and forth between like therapist and client father son brother brother friend friend Mm -hmm. uh at the end they make a joke about getting married so potentially lovers um just kidding (laughs) um they do make that joke (laughs) they do make that joke um 
Yeah. So I guess is, is, is that how he is with all of his clients? And then I think like, then how does that relate to the rest of us? What what do the rest of us as therapists do with this? I think it was also a really interesting way to sort of portray Jonah Hill's journey through therapy. I also like the guy. I I like Dr. Stutz. He was a cool guy. He was very likable. He had kind of an edge to him. I I, I did. I, I liked him. I had a lot of questions about sort of the approach as well. I think you and I, and I think honestly, most non-Hollywood therapists would have some questions about the approach. For me, the main thing is the boundaries that they had or didn't have. Quite honestly, that was one of the things that um, I noticed first. Uh, By the way, spoiler alert, we are going to talk about things in the documentary as well as reveal the ending, which (laughs) they get married. They get married. (laughs) It's actually not really much of an ending, but you know, if you, if you don't want to know the aspects of it, you may want to watch it first before you listen. But anyway, this guy definitely meant a lot to Jonah Hill. Like Mm -hmm. very, very clearly this person was an extremely important feature of his life and felt so passionate about it that he wanted to as as he kept saying we want to make a movie about him and so he definitely impacted his life a lot but there were a lot of things as a therapist that i noticed um in particular like i said about boundaries um in particular about some of the ways that you know he said that dr stutz said that he did not think was valuable in therapy that i do think are actually valuable in therapy Mm -hmm. and so definitely kind of just i could I definitely have a very difference of opinion in a lot of things in him. And I I also just wonder about, you know, when Hollywood types sort of put out these things that they're really passionate about. I kind of wonder how the public who may have received it thinks about it. Do they think that, oh, this is just one example of how somebody can heal and recover in therapy? Or is this what therapy is supposed to be? Mm -hmm. And I think the second one, that's the one that if that's how people took it, that's the one that I would be a little bit like, I don't think this should be the standard. Like maybe this type of relational work worked really well for him, but I very much do not think that this should be, I guess, in the minds of people that this is the standard of what it's supposed to be because their relationship had very few boundaries. They, they, definitely crossed into from patient and provider to friends to like you said brothers to like very even dependent upon one another so that was a lot of random thoughts not so random no I thought (laughs) I thought it was tied together in it yeah I, I think this idea of the approach you know, we've talked a lot about how therapy is portrayed in the media and social media everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if that's people's only exposure, then that's their idea of what it's supposed to be. And I think any version of that, even if I talked about how I do therapy and someone took away from it, that's what it's supposed to feel like, then I would feel like I've done a disservice, mm-hmm. right? So I, I agree with you. There's, there's 
some approaches that he talked about that I don't agree with, like this idea. Uh, and it, again, it does not mean it's wrong. I just feel differently. But this idea of like um, urgency for your client to feel better. So like this idea, uh, he was told when he was younger, when he was in training, that um, he should kind of like suppress his his feeling of urgency to give the client tools to feel better right away. That it takes time. You have to give the client time to work through stuff and to start where they're at. And he was like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Interesting side note. I So like you said, spoiler alert, um, he uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's and I think it seems like a very young age. And I actually wonder if part of that, you know, we're all humans as therapists. And so our perspective is, uh, is a factor of, of all the other things happening in our lives and to be diagnosed so young with an illness that's degenerative has to have an impact. And so I wondered if that contributes to his kind of sense of like, I don't really care what everyone else is doing. This is what I'm doing. I don't really care what people think. I don't really have time. People shouldn't be in pain. I'm going to give them tools to feel better as quickly as possible. And if people don't like my approach, they can go fuck themselves. Um, (laughs) That was my sense of him. And I, I do think that, you know, it's like the way I talk to clients a lot of the time is I feel like there's a spectrum of therapy and it's wide, but like, in my mind, personally, it's kind of like behavioral is on one end and psychodynamic is like introspection and mm-hmm. reflection and digging in and understanding is at the other end. And I think good therapy is probably like kind of moving back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but his feels more like I'm going to give you some tools immediately and you're going to take them and you're going to follow them and your life's going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I um. I had a bit of a, there were a couple moments where there was a, a bit of infomercial energy I was getting. <laughs> and I don't mean to, and I, and I don't mean to insult the approach, but whenever somebody says, if you do these things, I guarantee you, you'll feel better. I, I get, I give the side eye. I'm like, mm, maybe it's like everything works sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Not everything is going to work all the time. That's that's true with everything. That's that's not specific to a therapeutic setting. So he talks about other therapists and the technique or the kind of way of engaging is allow the client to talk through things, don't interrupt their process, and they'll come up with the ideas on their own, which he very clearly said is total bullshit. You need to tell them what they need to do. You give them the tools and he has this whole like tool thing um, that are used for change. And then if you use them, I guarantee you'll feel better. So, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Like, yeah, give me some cards and I'll write some words and draw some pictures on it. And if I'm going to feel better. And so sure, I would like that too. And I'm sure that that is true for a lot of people. And I think that, you know, there is something to like, like, why are we just sitting and churning about this for like weeks and months and years and like not doing something about it? I absolutely agree with that. Uh, to say that it, for a client to sit and engage and come up with the ideas on their own doesn't work at all is incorrect. That absolutely does help a lot of people and it does work for a lot of people. So, you know, but it sounds very flashy to say like, you do this, it will work guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So that's, 
that's never true with anything. That's not, that's not true with anything. So that to me, I'm always like my red flag goes up a little bit, but I, I, I did want to maintain an open mind through it. And he did say a lot of good things, but that to me, I'm like, meh. Yeah, I agree. I did get the infomercial vibes a bit. Also, like there were moments where um, the music they played, I think that's the Hollywood irritating part is like uh, um, this like important, valuable, the music is indicating something like really substantial and amazing and incredible is happening right now when he's just like, showing a picture of his like doodles of like circle dash circle dash and it's like I don't I can't make music that but it's like I don't know what's an important what's music from an important movie like the notebook when they like grab each other it's like something incredible is happening like the kiss (laughs) like the kiss in the rain but it's like that happened in your therapy session (laughs) no but like if you take away the music appropriate if you take away the music, the moments, I, you know what? It's like this. They're Hollywoodizing it, which feels like. It's true. Shut up. I mean, Isabel, you don't play music in your therapy <laughs> sessions. And then when you say something dun, dun, really dun. profound, you don't have like trumpets going <laughs> off and like violins playing. I mean, that's a boring session. That would be really cool, though, wouldn't it? You would feel like the best therapist in the world. I was like, I just made a point. Do you hear the orchestra? (laughs) Obviously, you feel better now. (laughs) I'm going to try that. Uh, Yes, there was the Hollywood aspect to it. It was kind of funny when... so. And it does, it makes, it makes shows more interesting when you like add sounds and effects and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so um one of his things was that he had these little cards and and I've seen and used these before um and you draw these little like figures and things on them and um so one of them is called like the life force and he draws this little pyramid and it's like the things in life that are important and so you draw it on the thing and then you know it was like this effects of like these pictures sort of coming together and then like it was kind of animated and uh, yeah, those I, I I've used those some of these things too, and I don't know if he was trying to say that they were his idea or not. But a lot of the stuff that he talked about is is not new, or, nor is his. Like a lot of it is like these are cognitive behavioral tools. These are you know dialectical behavioral tools. You know he talks about radical acceptance, which is a concept that a lot of therapists use, and so. There's definitely a lot of things that I think some of it maybe he made up and then some of it he he did not. But there was definitely sort of this like profoundness of the mm. things that he was talking about that is it that profound? Well, <laughs> to, it to write stuff on cards. It wasn't profound maybe. when he made a joke that he banged Jonah Hill's mom. <laughs> he did say that, didn't he? Didn't say that. I mean, it was kind of funny, but I didn't think it was funny. Well, that that does speak to some other things about their relationship and um how they went back and forth yeah I mean I I think also part of the back and forth in the relationship I think is very confusing for anyone in or not in therapy it's very confusing there's a reason that we as therapists don't disclose personal information it's not to be withholding 
It's not because we think we're better. It's not, it's like there it's, it gets in the way of the therapy in a way that I think it's gotten in the way here between the two of them. I mean, they really like, he, he really turned the table, I think. And Stutz made a joke in the beginning when they were talking about why Jonah Hill decided to do this. And I think one of them, I think Stutz made the joke of uh, your, maybe it's a power move. You know, you're trying to turn the mm. tables on me and it did. I don't, I don't know that that was the intention, but it did feel that way. You know, there were a few times when Stutz tried to like turn it on Jonah and Jonah was, I mean, we're on a first name basis now. Jonah was like, right. Um, your friends or friends. Jonah uh, <laughs> was like, no, we're not going to talk about that. Or Stutz put a boundary around what he wanted to talk about in his personal life. And it, it, I feel like Jonah kind of pushed and asked again. So it really felt like he was taking on this director's role of becoming the authority, which mm -hmm. I think oh, feels complicated. I don't know mm -hmm. what the therapy is going to look like after that, but you know, the joke about banging his mom, they both said, I love you. They made a joke about getting married. What mm -hmm. does therapy look like Monday morning after this film was done being made? <laughs> it's a, it's a very good question. It, it, it is. Yeah. I, yeah, there was some weirdness that I was like, Oh, Stutz is kind of a cool guy. Like he'd be a good therapist. And then they would be talking about something and I'd be like, oh, wow, you guys really know a lot about each other's <laughs> personal life. Like you guys are really sharing a lot. And yeah, at the beginning, there was this, uh, it's actually um, in the, in the preview, but I'm just going to play um, one line that I thought was interesting. Before meeting you, my experience with therapy was very traditional in the sense of I would be talking and the person would say, how does that feel or, or interesting, <laughs> basically keeping me at a massive distance. Yeah. And I was thinking about how in traditional therapy, you're paying this person and you save all of your problems for them and they just listen. And your friends who are idiots give you advice yes. unsolicited yes and you want your friends just to listen <laughs> and you want your therapist to give you advice here's the thing the shrinks it's not that they don't want to help you it's really not but for me i always felt there was something missing so a tool is a bridge between what you realize the problem is and the cause of the problem to over here actually gaining at least some control over the symptom it all has to do with possibility so I thought that what was interesting about that was how Jonah Hill said it puts distance between us and that how does it make you feel? What is that like for you instead of the therapist like telling you, like giving you advice? And he's like, oh, but the therapist just listens. And he wants a closer relationship with his therapist. He doesn't want space between him and his therapist. And, um, that's, that's not the way I operate. You and I also working with students in a, in a school have to be particularly careful with having really, really strong boundaries. Cause you're working with kids, you're working with vulnerable kids. You're working with kids who could potentially get very attached to you as like a parental type figure or sibling figure or friend or, you know, whatever it is, but you have to be so mindful and careful and aware of boundaries with with kids 
especially adolescents. But, and I know that you work with adults now, and I I know that your boundaries are still pretty similar. You know, you have to have just kind of a different set of boundaries. And that's always been like a number one most important thing in terms of providing the right therapy for people and also for preventing burnout for my burnout because I can't mentally take home all of the problems every day of people. And if I'm bearing my soul to the people that I'm providing therapy to, you're creating this connection that is really hard to like. Well, also you're sending the client home with the weight of your own stuff. Right. Um, you know, I also, also he said that this went on for two years. So they were coming into the studio on filming and then going back and having more sessions. It just sounds very complicated. And I think that's where I, I kind of go back and forth sometimes because I think I used to be very rigid in my thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think I've definitely expanded and recognized that there are so many different approaches and people should get the benefit of the doubt. And like this feels, this just feels super complicated. You know, I like, I, 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 this feels super complicated. Um, but that that clip did kind of highlight for me where it feels like a power move, where he's like, I'm paying you. You're not allowed to have distance from me. You're not allowed to have secrets. You're not allowed to have privacy because I'm paying you. And there's some feeling of like ownership mm. or indebtedness or entitlement that I hear. And maybe I wouldn't hear it that way if we weren't talking about like a Hollywood person. Yeah, it just, totally. it feels that way for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The power dynamic part is interesting. And I think it was interesting that Stutz put it out there. Like maybe you're trying to, you know, switch the power. I mean, I, I do think that he was a skilled enough doctor and therapist to kind of know what was going on. I don't think that he was lost in this at all. I think he knew what was happening. I think he understood the dynamic. I do think that he really, you know, I, he, he did seem to really care about Jonah Hill a lot and, um, and, and even like loved him, whether, you know, as like his son or, or whatever. I mean, they had this very close relationship. And at one point they even talked about how Jonah Hill said he was so afraid to lose him because he, you know, he has this disease and I mean, he seems okay for now, but talked about like what it would be to lose him and about how scared he was about that. And so creating this, you know, dependency and, and just having this like very deeply personal relationship. Um, They both said it. He said it, Stutz said it back in that moment. He said, I'm, I'm scared of losing you too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about how important connection is. Right. And so, and I mean, it's a lovely connection in a lot of ways that they have and, and hopefully, you know, good for each of them. And so I don't want to poo poo on connection because (laughs) obviously that's not what I mean, but the therapist client connection I don't know. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Yeah. It's in a lot of ways supposed to be the example, right? You create an example to teach someone how to, hopefully, how to have healthy relationships. 
But for me, I'm not the person that I want them to have that relationship with. We can have a therapist relationship. And yeah, I am going to put distance between us because um, we're not friends. Right. I'm a service provider. You're paying me to provide you a service. I'm a professional. And I, I, I think that's the other thing. You're hitting something important is that you don't have to share personal information to build connection. I think that that's even like the other way around where I think some people come into therapy thinking there's an expectation that they just open up and share the darkest stuff. And that's not the case. That's not, that doesn't have to happen. Like I even have clients that I work with who have had trauma and we work around it until they're ready to actually put words to it. But I think there's this idea that you have to come in, you have to talk about it. You have to say what it is and you have to tell your therapist and they have to know, and then the work starts. And I just, Mm -hmm. I think connection and vulnerability can happen in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I really very much don't want the people that I provide therapy to, to know stuff about me. I, I, I just don't, there, there are a few exceptions every now and then that I'll use or I'll share, but I have to say it's pretty few and far between that I share personal examples, um, with, with the people that I, that I treat. It just, it just is very, very unusual for me. Um, and you know, a lot of the things I say stem from my personal experiences and stem from my professional experience. And I'll often cite, like I was working with this other person and they were feeling similar to you or, you know, something like that but it's highly unusual that I will share personal things about myself um, unless there's some compelling reason that could help the client. Yeah. Cause again, you're, you're burdening the client with, especially with the stuff this guy's sharing, like this is, this is really heavy stuff he's sharing. Um, I guess mm-hmm. going back to what we were talking about earlier about the toolkit as an approach to kind of like, it's almost like a salesman. Like I'm, I'm selling you this toolkit right mm-hmm. off the bat. And look, we don't know what this is not. This was, this is the thing. This was not like peeping into their therapy session. I imagine this is not what their therapy sessions look like. I imagine there's a lot of other work that's happening other than the toolkit. Obviously he's learned a lot about Jonah and they've talked about a lot. Jojo, um, <laughs> Jonah Hill, um, you can call him Jonah, no judgment. <laughs> it's just easier. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I guess one thought I had was he's a psychiatrist. And so I don't know if I'm stereotyping here or making an unfair judge, uh, not judgment, um, assumption. But, you know, psychiatrists are, they're doctors. They're trained as doctors. They're trained to prescribe medication. And there are tons and tons and tons of, of psychiatrists who work clinically who aren't just doing medication management. But I do think that there's something about the training where it's like, you're starting with, you're coming in, telling me your symptoms. I'm going to give you a solution. I'm going to give you medication to make you feel better. So it makes sense that he moved into, like, I uh, want to use talk therapy to do something similar. So here's my toolkit is like kind of the medication and I'm giving it to you because I want you to feel better faster. Mm -hmm. I personally, for me, that makes me want him to reflect on that desire, that urgency. 
Like, Mm -hmm. why do you feel such urgency to have your client feel better so fast? Is Mm -hmm. it because, I mean, he has this idea of himself that like, since he was like 10 years old, grown men would come up to him randomly and just like divulge their personal stuff and want advice from him. And I feel like that's a type of person. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about it. Like part of me feels like a little bit of an asshole talking about him this way. Because I do think that there's probably value in it. There is absolutely value in it. And there's a part of me that feels like there's a type of clinician or provider who really wants to be able to see themselves as someone who can make people feel better fast. Mm -hmm. And this, this feels that way sometimes. I, I, I agree. I think that. um, What do I think? You agree. I do. You think I'm smart and right and beautiful. I think you're smart, right, fantastic, beautiful, and have a great braid. Um, I do think that it's very noticeable, at least for me, and maybe it wouldn't be noticeable to other people, but I think for me, it was definitely the thing that kept standing out that I was really paying attention to was the immediacy of what, how he wanted change mm-hmm. and the immediacy and the, and the, the fastness of that and I can definitely 100% understand why people might look at a therapist and a client and the therapist being like what does it make you feel and what does it like for you and and they're like I'm paying $300 a pop here like why don't you just answer my damn question like I can understand that um that sort of feeling and that that sort of you know, mentality. And he's pushing against that. Like, I'm going to give you stuff that's going to help you feel better right away. And that's, that's great. Like, I think I would love for, you know, every person that I talked to as they walked out of session saying like, okay, there's something that's on my mind or that I'm thinking about. Um, and it's not wrong to want to have results. Again, I think that it's just the, if this is your only experience watching a therapy session or learning about therapy. Um, I think that that misses a lot because yeah, there are people with trauma who you need to work very, very slowly and therapy can be extremely painful for people, um, for a little while. And hopefully it's a net gain of course, but it can be very, very hard for people and therapy can feel awful because, when you're used to just pushing things down and not talking about things. And then all of a sudden you work up the courage to be like, okay, I got to This is, this is slowly debilitating me. I have to start talk- talking about this. And then you have someone who you're finally able to share with. And then it's just like, oh my God, this is why I didn't talk about any of this stuff. Cause it's too hard to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to feel better right away. You're going to feel pretty terrible and you're going to have all sorts of things. And so but I often will ask people, I'll ask my students, what kind of support are you looking for today? And they're like, I just need someone to listen to me and not correct me. Um, I just need to vent to somebody. I just want an adult's perspective. I, I just need to sit here and cry. So I think it's, you follow what the client needs, you know, you follow what, and, and then you kind of add in your own thing. Um, and I guess that's what Jonah Hill needed. You know, maybe that's what Jonah Hill needed, but I, I think your question is good to wonder 
what are his other clients like? Mm-hmm. You know, like what is is he like this with all his clients? Is it just this kid? Is uh is this his style? Is he is he following the client and this is what he needs? I don't know. Curious. Yeah, it is really interesting. I mean, they definitely curse a lot, makes a lot of inappropriate <laughs> jokes. Um yeah, I don't know. And then is he like that day one or does he like feel clients out? Does he have a lot of people who sit down and are like, oh, this is not for me um, and get up and leave? Uh, you know, know, we're all entitled to our own approach. And I have to say that is something I I appreciate more and more as I keep working is that like there isn't one way to do this. And you know, while I have openly judged this person and many other people on this podcast, um, I, I think we're all entitled to work the way we we want without judgment, as long as we are getting supervision, which this guy's in his seventies and has probably been doing this for 50 years and maybe does not get supervision mm-hmm. anymore. But, Mm-mm. um, you know, as long as you're reflecting and you're aware of yourself and you're aware of what you're doing and you're mindful of the impact you're having. Um, I think that this this approach could potentially be harmful yeah. um, if you are not being thoughtful and intentional. Uh, there was one more thing that, that Stud said that I thought was interesting. He said towards the end, if I trained you properly, which I think speaks to their dynamic, which is more of, I think, like a mentor. Like, I want to teach this thing to you. I want you to learn it the way I taught it. And I want you to go on and live it out the way I want you to, which is very different from how I think both of us practice therapy. Yeah, I think so. I um, I also think that has to do with the boundaries of it all. Because, yeah, I I want to teach the people that I see things or I want to coach them and the things that they're interested in being coached with. And then if they do it and they follow through, that's great. And if they don't, then that's the choice that they're making. And I, I don't have super strong feelings about that either way. I, you know, I always want the best for the people that I see and, and, you know, and it varies like some people you get more or less, I don't know if it's attached to or invested in, or you have kind of different relationships and things like that, but whether they do it or not, doesn't really affect my life that much because I try to leave it in the therapy room as much as possible. Yeah. It seems like he's feeling some urgency to get his message out. You know, he talked about, like, I just want to I have this feeling of like my work won't go as far as I wanted to it won't go far enough. So this, he's really invested in his model and getting it out there, which again, is just a different approach. There was some things that happened kind of towards the end of the show that I was like, what is happening? Like, it just got, I don't know. It felt a little weird for me at the end. Um, I did really, I really liked what Stutz said about grief because they were talking about how Jonah Hill's brother had died. Um, I, I think like the prior three or four years before, and then Stutz's brother died when he was a child and it affected his parents a lot, you know, to, of course to lose a child and then like his upbringing. And they were talking about grief. And I really liked the things that he was talking about, about how when managing grief, 
you want to get yourself into a place where you can you can recognize that you would be okay without that person and then they kind of went to without anyone um is, do you remember that part but it was something about like priming yourself that like you would be okay without that person it was about attachment because he, he was saying i don't yeah. i don't want you to not be attached i want you to work towards um uh not to not have attachments to people but p- to be able to work towards unattaching yourself from someone you lose something like that i have it in my notes i actually just looked down he wanted you to move towards non-attachment which i guess is kind of like that i know yeah i don't like it as as okay is that is that what my yeah move move towards towards non-attachment also i love you and i don't ever want to lose you right but then but then he so they had these little things where with the tools, like these little sketches and like put them on cards. And then they, they did one and it was about loss processing. And the, the, the tool was, we are everywhere. And then there was a sun and then there was, you were the sun and then you fall into the sun. And I was like, I don't know if it's just late or <laughs> if, or if, if talking about, loss and grief is just making me anxious but like i don't get the sun one i didn't get it it was like falling into the sun and then you burn up in the sun but everyone's in the sun and you're in a sun world and it's okay i was like i I, i'm confused you didn't feel better after that (laughs) i I didn't know if i felt better or worse i just felt really confused (laughs) but um yeah so that felt weird to me. It is, I think it is worth overall. I think it's worth watching. I think it's interesting. I just, just, again, it's just like the social media stuff. It's just like, you know, like therapy on Instagram is if you can take it with the right grain of salt, I think it's interesting. If you're using it as a model for therapy, I think that we just need to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I want to say this is my ethical self, but maybe it's my Pollyanna self. I think that's something I always kind of struggle and go back and forth between. Uh, Am I being too rigid or am I just right? Um, I think I would have liked it better or felt less icky if they had terminated their therapeutic relationship. I named it as a friendship and then made this movie together about how they started out, what therapy was like and what the relationship is like now. I just don't see how you come back from this kind of dynamic and go back into like your office and be a therapist. Um, I don't know either. I, I don't know either. Well, and they definitely, they took that third wall down with they, because he opened it saying, I wanted to make a movie and I wanted to like do a session and it'll be like, we're having a session and that will be the documentary. And then it'll demonstrate kind of what our, um, what our dynamic is. And then, and then they basically say, this is actually a green screen. We've been doing this for two years. Joan Hill had a wig on to make his hair look the same. They've been wearing the same clothes and, and Stutz was wearing the same sweater and Jonah Hill was wearing the same t-shirt for two years. So they took that wall down and then you're like, now it's even weirder. We've <laughs> been doing this for two years. <laughs> and I realized that's what filming is, right? Like, it's not like you just finish it in a day, 
but I was just like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I, 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 I didn't not enjoy it. I thought it was interesting. I, you know, there was even like, oh, maybe I can, I can, I can use that in, in my sessions. Like, that's cool. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, was kind of weird, kind of yeah. interesting. I don't know. I agree. Kind of weird, kind of interesting. I think there were parts where I was like, ah, and then there were parts where I was like, Ugh. I was like annoyed <laughs> or grossed out or irritated. Yes. And then other parts where I was like all cut up in the music and was like, ah, but yeah, no, I, overall, I, it's not my style. Mm-mm. I do feel like uh, before I watched that show, Couples Therapy, which maybe we could talk about another time on mm-hmm. Showtime, I would have said like hard no to any kind of like pulling the curtain back on therapy in Hollywood. Um, But I do think that that show does it so well. So I know I'm not just being super rigid here. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not super comfortable with this approach and style and that this documentary was made. Um, But, you know, you can take something from everything. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, we did it. We did it. Judge Jill and Judge Isabel have spoken. <laughs> that was my gavel. Oh, mine too. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, on another note, before we log off, um, I wanted to give an update for anyone who listened to our last episode that I had my final surgery and I am recovering. Yay. And very excited to be on the other side of that long journey. Although it's not 100% over, the bigger parts are done. And I'm very relieved. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yay, Isabel. Love Yay. it. Thanks. All right. All right, my friends. That's it. Peace. See you. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Could All Use Some Therapy. We hope that you found some of the content relevant and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any thoughts or ideas you want to share with us, feel free to email us at wecouldallusometherapy at gmail.com. The longest email address in existence. We would love to hear from you and uh, use your questions and thoughts for future episodes. Hope to see you again soon. Bye.